This is Cowrie 97.5 FM, Abbey Ogata. Good morning and welcome to the Reset Bulletin on Calvary 97.5 FM. I'm Willie Thomas. As some parts of the world open up spaces, especially to business like England, where pubs, public social places like museums, parks were opened last Saturday, others are in a lockdown like Melbourne in Australia and in some parts of Nigeria not wearing a face mask becomes a criminal offence from this week and you can go to jail or pay a fine of as much as 20,000 naira that's $50 and in Ogun State, Abelkuta where we are, weekend lockdown extended for another two weeks please don't ask me why, critics have said the only people benefit from the weekend lockdown are security officials deployed to enforce the lockdown. Drive through the streets in your car or hop onto a motorbike locally called Okada, Boda Boda or Sininja in other areas, you are sure of free movement. Once you can drop some cash into the waiting and eager hands of the security officials. This is the Reset Bulletin, our daily focus on COVID-19, its consequences and collateral benefit for social behavior, advocacy, conservation and good governance. My name is Willie Thomas and in today's program we have the story of a sea turtle washed ashore following heavy downpour across southwest coast and the attempts made to rescue the sea turtle. We will be talking to a Kenyan conservationist who was ready to pay the $150, that's about 60,000 naira, that seafood vendors on Victoria Island Lagos wanted for the turtle. Hi there, I'm Lucy Van Olden Barneveld from the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. If you're tuned to Cowrie 97.5 FM, then it's time to get serious. COVID-19 or coronavirus is real. So stay away from crowded areas, keep to hygiene rules, and more importantly, listen to and abide by what government tells you to do. If you go to the market, keep two meters away from everyone and wash your hands once they make contact. Any contact at all, you need to wash your hands. Remember, coronavirus is defiant. It attacks all, big or small. Thanks. I'm glad you've heard my message. I'm Lucy, and I work and live in Canada. your responsibility. Stop the spread of coronavirus. Keep a distance of at least two meters between you and others. Here is the latest news on trade facilitation in Ogun State. 
If you are a security agency official and demand bribes or engage in any corrupt practice or violation of people's rights along trade routes, stop it. And if you are a trader, transporter or small business person, keep to the law when moving your goods. Don't carry contraband. Don't overload. Make sure your vehicle particulars are complete and obey traffic rules. Doing otherwise makes you vulnerable. Let's join hands to make our trade routes free. Welcome once again to the Reset Bulletin. We begin with a recap of some of the last week's events that caught our fancy, as they say. President Donald Trump, as usual, dominated world news headline space all through last week. However, what caught our attention was his answer to a question by a reporter who covered one of the press briefings he had. The reporter, obviously of Asian or Chinese stock, asked a question he was not comfortable with. So, in his usual manner, trumped the question and beckoned on the next reporter who was behind the apparently Chinese reporter to fire her own question. Well, she was about starting, then Trump discovered, uh uh-uh, this is probably another wrong one. So, what did he do? He trumped her. He wanted to beckon a third, and then thought, what a heck, could be another Chinko reporter. So, Donald Trump decided to trump the rest of the press briefing, and he walked away. End of discussion. Well, here's a clip, Kotsi, BBC World News. said many times that the U.S. is doing far better than any other country when it comes to testing. Yes. Why does that matter? Why is this a global competition to you if everyday Americans are still losing their lives and we're still seeing more cases every day? Well, they're losing their lives everywhere in the world. And maybe that's a question you should ask China. Don't ask me. Ask China that question, okay? When you ask them that question, you may get a very unusual answer. Yes, behind you, please. Sir, why are you saying that to me specifically? I'm telling you. I'm not saying it specifically to anybody. I'm saying it to anybody that would ask a nasty question like that. That's not a nasty question. Please go ahead. Why does it matter? Okay. uh, Anybody else? Please go ahead in the back, please. I have two questions. No, it's okay. But you pointed to me. I have two questions, Mr. President. Next. Next, please. you You called on me. I did, and you didn't respond, and now I'm calling on Sorry, I just the young to, lady in the back, please. I just wanted to let my colleague okay. finish, but can I ask you Ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much. Appreciate Will it. Thank you, you very much. U.S. President Donald Trump, well, he's due for re-election in November 2020. This is the Reset Portin, and next, Bola Wola Makinde with a recap of events around the world. Still to come, the story of the washed-ashore turtle on Victoria Island, Lagos, and the offer of $150 from a Kenyan conservationist for its rescue, which was the prize that the seafood vendors in Lagos put on the poor creature. First, Bola Wola Makinde with a recap of events. Tuesday. 7th July 2020, and from our London United Kingdom studios, this is Kauri 97.5 FM Newsbeat. I am Bolawala Makinde. 
The Democratic Republic of Congo's government has despite former warlords, including two who were tried for war crimes in The Hague, to try to convince militiamen in their home region to surrender. This comes as the government is turning to some of the main players from the previous conflict to try to resolve the current one, dispatching a delegation that arrived in Ituri last week. According to Governor Jean Bamanisa, among them is German Katanga, who was convicted by the International Criminal Court in 2014 on one count of crimes against humanity and four of war crimes for leading a Lendu militia in a 2003 attack on a village that killed about 200 civilians. Another member is Matthew Ngujolo, who was prosecuted but acquitted by the ICC for alleged roles in the same attack. Ghana's main opposition has announced a female professor, Nana Opoku Ageman, as a vice presidential candidate for the first time. Ageman will join forces with former president John Dramani Mahama as he attempts a comeback in December's election. Professor Ageman is a former education minister and a former vice-chancellor of the University of Cape Coast. If the opposition NDC wins this year's presidential election, then she will become Ghana's first female vice-president. But the 7th December poll is expected to be keenly contested with incumbent president Nana Akufo-Addo seeking a second consecutive term. The United Kingdom has imposed economic sanctions on dozens of individuals and organizations from Russia, Saudi Arabia, Myanmar and North Korea under new British powers to punish human rights offenders. Foreign Secretary Dominic Rapp said on Monday that the sanctions targeted those behind some of the notorious human rights violations in recent years and were aimed at stopping the laundering of blood money. The foreign ministry said the UK's first sanctions target 25 Russian nationals it said were involved in the mistreatment and death of lawyer Sergei Magnitsky and 20 Saudi nationals held responsible for the killing of journalist Kamal Khashoggi. The foreign ministry said among the list of Saudi names are Saad al-Qatani, a former Saudi royal advisor, and Ahmed al-Ashiri, a former deputy intelligence chief. But both had charges against them dropped by a Saudi court after 11 suspects were put on trial last December over the Khashoggi killing. The biggest Russian name on the UK list is Alexander Bastrykin, whose investigative committee reports directly to President Vladimir Putin. Bastrykin has also been blacklisted by the United States and Canada over the death of Magnitsky, a Russian lawyer arrested in 2008 after alleging Russian officials were involved in a large-scale tax fraud. Magnitsky died in a Moscow prison in 2009 after complaining of abuse. Italian composer Ennio Morricone, who created the Coyote Howl theme for The Good, The Bad and The Ugly, and soundtracks for classic Hollywood gangster movies including The Untouchables, has died at the age of 91. Morricone's longtime lawyer, Giorgio Asuna, said the maestro, as he was known, died early Monday in a Rome hospital of complications following a fall in which he broke a leg. 
During a career that spanned decades and earned him an Oscar for Lifetime Achievements in 2007, Maricone collaborated with some of the most renowned Italian and Hollywood directors. He worked on movies including The Untouchables by Brian De Palma, The Hateful Eight by Quentin Tarantino, and The Battle of Algiers by Gilo Pontecovo. The Tarantino film would also win him the Oscar for Best Original Score in 2016. Without mentioning a date, however, Asuma said Morricone's funeral would be strictly private. Turkey has threatened to respond if the European Union imposes further sanctions on Ankara. This comes after France's foreign minister said last week that European Union ministers would discuss Turkey on July 13, noting that new sanctions on Ankara could be considered in addition to steps taken over Turkey's drilling in the Cyprus economic zone. It would be recalled that the European Union had imposed a travel ban and asset freezes on two people in February for their role in Turkey's drilling in Cyprus' maritime economic zone of the divided island. But Turkey's foreign minister, Melvlud Kavosoglu, berated the European Union for failing to fulfill promises and linking issues such as the Cyprus dispute and a 2016 migrant deal. Consequently, Kavosoglu said Turkey would not allow itself to be held hostage by Greece and Cyprus, thereby calling on the European Union to be an honest broker. United States prosecutors have charged two sons of former Panamanian President Ricardo Martinelli in connection with bribery and money laundering linked to Brazilian construction firm Odebrecht. Guatemala's police said 48-year-old Louis Enrique Martinelli and 40-year-old Ricardo Alberto Martinelli were arrested in Guatemala City as they attempted to board a flight to Panama. In a statement, the police say the two men faced extradition to the United States. When contacted, however, a Martinelli spokesman did not immediately reply to a request for comment on the charges. The family, in a statement following the arrest, said it was working to ensure the ex-president's sons have legal assistance in Guatemala and are able to transfer the proceedings to Panama. The governor of Georgia, Brian Kemp, has declared a state of emergency and authorized the activation of up to 1,000 United States National Guard troops after a weekend of violence in Atlanta left five people dead, including an eight-year-old girl. A statement from the governor's office said troops will provide support at certain locations, including the state's capital and governor's mansion, freeing up state law enforcement resources to patrol other areas. The Republican governor, who called for an end to what he tagged lawlessness, said peaceful protests were hijacked by criminals with a dangerous and destructive agenda. Meanwhile, Saturday night's fatal shooting of eight-year-old Sosoria Turner has prompted a $10,000 reward for information as authorities search for at least two people who opened fire on the car in which he was riding near a flashpoint of recent protests. And finally, 
China has reportedly launched a special task force to ramp up political policing to maintain social stability. This is the latest move to rein in dissent over Beijing's handling of the coronavirus and protests in Hong Kong. The news of the task force came on the same day that a Beijing law professor, who has been an outspoken critic of China's ruling Communist Party and President Xi Jinping, was taken away by authorities. According to the official procuratorial daily, the task force would crack down on all kinds of infiltration, subversion, sabotage, violent terrorist activities, ethnic separatist activities, and extreme religious activities. Citing an undated note from the meeting of the task force, the daily said the main responsibility of the task force is to safeguard China's political system, noting that political security is related to national safety and people's well-being. And that has been Kari 97.5 FM Newsbeat, Tuesday, 7th July 2020. I am Bolawala. Makinde. You're listening to the Reset Bulletin on Kauri 97.5 FM Radio Abelkuta. And now let's meet our Kenyan guest, a devoted conservationist who got in touch with Kauri Radio over the weekend and offered to pay $150, that's 60,000 naira, which was what seafood vendors on Victoria Island wanted for any buyer of a large sea turtle which was washed ashore after the extended rainfall over the last weekend. Last weekend's rain was extensive and there were floods all over parts of Abelka that actually went down under. Well, according to Adam Skasinga of Conserve Congo, there was the likelihood that many more turtles or endangered sea species may have been washed ashore. A conservation enthusiast who drove past the main Bar Beach Highway on Victoria Island saw the sea turtle with boys by the roadside. The prize was 60,000 matter, and Sonny O'Godson raised an alarm, made a post on Facebook to security agencies and to all conservationists, and the post went round. For close to five hours or more, the turtle was on display for sale. So was our washed ashore turtle rescued. We find out as we talk to Kenyan conservationist Rabia Hawa, who was desperate to pay the 60,000 naira or $150 to rescue the sea turtle. Carol, 97.5 FM. Good morning and welcome to the Reset Boarding on Kauri 97.5 FM. Thank you, Thomas, for the opportunity. And uh, I have to say I'm really, really um, inspired by what you're doing. And I think it's so important that people like yourself continue to raise awareness about these critical issues in your home country. So, yeah, that's great. Thanks. May we kindly request that you introduce yourself to our listeners and give them a brief of your passion as a conservationist. Sure. So my name is Rabia Hawa. I am an honorary warden with the Kenya Wildlife Service. And I also uh, founded and I'm the executive director of the Ulinzi Africa Foundation, which is Swahili for the Defenders of Africa. And we launched in 2014 as East Africa's first non-profit that focuses on ranger empowerment, welfare and facilitation, of course with a greater goal of better enforcing um, the law with regards to wildlife security and wildlife-related issues 
um, and really just assisting wildlife conservation efforts within Kenya and um, stretching across uh, East Africa and the wider Pan-African region. Um, my background wasn't always conservation. I actually used to be a radio host like yourself. I worked on uh, a radio um, station called XFM and also on East FM, which was part of the Radio Africa group. And that was kind of where I started getting into conservation. I started learning about um, conservation organizations and raising awareness about them through my radio show, uh, raising support for them. And uh, one day got invited to the field by one of the organizations I had interviewed and came across uh, my first incidents of poaching and um, animal kind of injuries and was really on the ground with the rangers and the organization and, and the Kenya Wildlife Service seeing what was being done firsthand and recognizing those challenges. I, I really couldn't go back. So started volunteering a lot more, um, and that was back in 2008, 2009. And I've been doing it ever since. Uh, I now have my own wildlife charity, and I try to work with stakeholders not restricted to Kenya, like all over the world, uh, because I developed a very strong kind of media presence locally and also globally um, just on social media and I use that to really kind of galvanize action um, for wildlife related issues and, and try and find solutions for organizations and projects um, all around the world. Technology has made the impossible possible. The world is one global village and COVID-19, which has made a lot of us locked down at home, has also turned us into information freaks. Forever searching or glued to our radio sets, TV sets, the internet or whatever is the source of latest info. So please tell us, how did you learn about our washed ashore turtle in Lagos, you far away in Kenya? And what was your immediate reaction or steps you took to rescue the situation? I originally saw the post shared by a friend of mine, Patrick Egu, on Nigerians for Wildlife, which is a Facebook forum that I um, helped him set up. And, of course, uh, being on a forum where um, people are coming together to discuss wildlife issues and seeing this, uh, and it really said, SOS, we need help for this turtle now. And I watched the videos um, and just jumped on my phone and started making a couple of calls and started sharing on a couple of WhatsApp groups. Um, I'm a wildlife conservationist myself here in Kenya, and we have a lot of um, groups where lots of conservationists um, are part of from all over the world. So I started asking, um, you know, who has contacts in Nigeria in a place that's uh, close to Victoria Island in Lagos. We really need help to rescue a turtle. Um, and that's really how kind of people started connecting the dots and, and linking organizations on the ground. The Nigerian Conservation Fund, noted for rescue operations like this, was at the same time engaged in another mission at a different location to rescue a pregnant pangolin. So they couldn't deploy to rescue the turtle. Sonny Ogutsin sighted the turtle at about 8 o'clock on the morning of Saturday. He made the report on Facebook at about 10 a.m. By the time he did the rain to return to check if the turtle was still up for sale, that was in the afternoon, around about 1,600 hours, 
the boys were gone and the turtle probably sold. So, how did you feel when we sent this report? I was very heartbroken when I got the news that the turtle was gone um, and hadn't been rescued. I was very, very disappointed, very hurt. You know, I understand all of the challenges that are faced by the teams on the ground, but I also feel like this was a really huge missed opportunity for the authorities involved, um, you know, to have addressed this issue. I mean, this thing went viral. I, I'm sitting in Kenya and I saw it, you know, and people all over um, the world saw it as well. I mean, there was a huge, um, I would say, global outcry. And had the authorities responded to it in time, had they, uh, you know, got justice for this turtle, you know, I feel like it would have really opened the doors for greater support from the wider global community for the wildlife conservation and protection efforts in Nigeria. You know, so I, I feel like it might have been a missed opportunity. But again, I also understand the challenges on the ground. You know, like you said, NCF uh, were the ones that I heard were um, going to respond to this incident, but then they had to rescue a pregnant pangolin. So what do you do? You know, it's like, okay, you've got a pregnant pangolin that's like one animal plus a baby, and then you've got this poor sea turtle who's being, I don't know, hung on a tire that's already bleeding. So I feel like you know, when you are in that situation, you've just got to make the best out of uh, a bad situation, really. And I do applaud them for their efforts, for their concern, um, at least for trying. Um, you know, you can only try sometimes, you know. It's, it's better than doing nothing, I always feel. So even though the turtle wasn't rescued, I hope that this is going to really heighten the awareness on a local level that this kind of thing is a matter of global interest, um, not just local interest or national interest, it's global interest really because uh, these are creatures that play a critical role in macro ecosystems, you know, and, and kind of, yeah, just the world really. So uh, when we have situations like this, I think it's important for response times to be quicker and more efficient and maybe it's a, a chance, again, to revisit and maybe restructure that so that it doesn't recur in the future. But I do feel that whoever was involved in kind of trying to rescue this turtle really tried their best. I also understand that there was a lot of heavy rain. Um, so, you know, all of these factors do come into play. And we just hope that now, even through your efforts with um, your program, People will be more aware and this kind of thing doesn't happen as much, if at all. And we, of course, hope that it never happens again because it shouldn't. You know, these are, are globally recognized species um, that really need to be protected because they just aren't enough in the world and they really are important um, in, in ecosystem services and value. So, yeah, I, I hope that you know, your program reaches far and wide. And I want to thank all of the teams that heard about it, that responded in, in any way that they could. I applaud NCF for really putting their best efforts forward, even though they were not successful this time. But I understand their challenge, and I'm glad that they did rescue the pregnant pangolin and just wish them all the best in the future, as well as the authorities, I hope that they are able to draw from this experience and just wishing them all the very, very best, really, in the future. I think 
that there's a lot of uh, great things that can come out of this. It's not all negative and, oh, the turtle's dead. And, you know, I, I think that good things can come out of this. And, and one of the good things should be a heightened public awareness and greater public support for the authorities um, to be better enabled and better facilitated and also for stakeholders on the ground like NCF and uh, I think it's Fakiri Salama, which is another group that I was talking to, um, to just come together for wildlife, you know, uh, because we need it. COVID-19 has brought humanity to its knees. The world as we know it is about to collapse. But the rest of nature is alive, happy, and at best have all the space to roam free. What are the lessons we need to learn from this pandemic about coexistence? Of course, coexistence is really critical. We're all part of the same planet, and I think that at some point we really maybe just uh, forgot that or didn't have it in our mind all the time. We, we're living a fast life. We're, you know, always living day to day, trying to just make our ends meet, trying to put food on the table. And when you're trying to, when you're struggling in your own life so much, it's very, very hard to look outside and see the bigger picture. And I feel like this pandemic has really brought that to the forefront and really kind of hit home in a lot of ways where uh, we have no choice. Uh, we have to just sit in our little boxes now and look outside and uh, really see how the world is structured and how we have impacted the world so far. And I feel like it's an opportunity for us to do better, not just for the planet, because we also now realize, I think, greater than ever before, that when we are doing good things for the planet, then that good comes back to us. We're the ones who benefit from protecting the planet, from being more environmentally conscious. I mean, no one wants to live in a dump site, right? So if we stop throwing trash and start using less single-use plastic and less uh, plastic packages, then we live in a cleaner world and everyone's a lot happier and a lot healthier. And I feel like we should really, now more than ever, um, focus on our future health um, and the future health of the coming generations. Um, and it's really important that we really prioritize clean air, clean water, um, a clean environment, and that change starts with us. Um, just don't litter and, and try and use less plastic waste, less things that can't be recycled and things that aren't biodegradable, and that can really make a huge difference. Rabia, thank you very much for sharing with us on the Reset Board in today. We appreciate your deep commitment to conservation. Thank you again. Thank you so much for your effort, and uh, again, thanks to all the teams. Thank you to the authorities. Thank you to NCF, and thank you to your radio station for delivering these really critical messages. Kenyan conservationist Rabia Hawa talking to Kauri 97.5 FM on the failed mission to rescue a giant sea turtle washed ashore on Victoria Island, Lagos. And that has been the reset bulletin for today. Remember the rules, stay safe, physical distancing, learn not to touch your face, wear a mask so you don't go to jail, body and home hygiene, and you're free and safe from COVID-19. I'm Willie Thomas in Abelkata, and it's been the reset bulletin. Good morning. 